Welcome to the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Ahoy there, everyone. Welcome to episode number 102 of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. This weekly podcast is your best bet for staying afloat when it comes to the development of Pantheon Rise of the Fallen, the upcoming MMORPG by Visionary Realms. In this week's episode, we'll unfurl the May producer's letter to see if we can find the treasure map to Alpha. We'll sail into a conversation about class roles, we'll swab the old rewind mailbox, and we'll finish up with a sailor's tale in the lore section. So come aboard with me, Theric, and my seaworthy co-host, Desert, for this week's Rewind. Well, hello there, Desert. How are you doing today, man? Arg, I be great, matey. <laughs> Uh, how long did you practice that? How how long did it take you to to prep that uh, <laughs> prep that response? I'm about wondering. about twenty seconds before we uh, started this, <laughs> as you were reading the wow. intro. <laughs> nice, nice. I, I I wanted to continue on with the pirate theme, but I did, I wasn't sure where to go with it. So that's perfect that you added that there. So that's <laughs> that's, that's great, man. No, I, I I love a good theme, but um, yeah, no, you're doing well. You're doing well. Yeah, yeah, totally good. Uh, you know, nice. same old, same old. Uh, it's a, yeah. it's a good, good week to be following Pantheon Rise of the Fallen. Ah, absolutely, for sure. Yeah, we got a big show. We got lots of stuff to talk about today, and and uh, I know our shows have been a little long lately. So let's let's get right to it and and dive into it if uh, if that's all right with you. Um, let's talk about our adventuring party that uh, is going to join us on this uh, voyage today. We've got Ziplocs on the Dark Mer Rogue. We've got Sparrow on the Elf Ranger. We've got Bounty Coat on the Human Wizard. Screech on the Scarbard. Wiki Woo on the Human Enchanter. Shuriken on the Dwarf Cleric. Horsesaurus on the Human Warrior. Dimelos on the Dark Mer Cleric. Jason on the Scar Beard Lord. Zerg Jerk on the Dwarf Rogue. And Grogu on the Human Warrior. So that's a wonderful looking uh, pirate crew we got going here. And I thank each and every one of you for supporting the show during the premiere last week or through Patreon. And if you'd like to help out and join the adventuring party for episode 103, feel feel free to drop a a super donation chat. Man, getting it all mixed up. A A super chat donation during the YouTube premiere. Or again, like I said, our Patreon campaign for a more permanent seat on the party. So thanks again to everyone who supports the Rewind, whether it's through that or just by showing up and hanging out with us for the hour that we are for the premiere. So having said that, I think I spot some land on the horizon. So Desert, are you ready to uh, make landfall? Cast ye kinker. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. This week in Visionary Realms News Notes. All right, so this week's, uh, this month's newsletter from VR came on May 19th. Desert, I'm just, I'm just laughing and my head's still about your pirate. <laughs> that is so great. Um, nothing groundbreaking in this newsletter, but definitely we have some stuff to talk about. Now, first up was the uh, new hires and the uh, work that they're doing for VR. Uh, we heard about these additions from VR uh, st- to VR staff last week in the uh, live stream. And uh, this week in the newsletter, they sort of expanded on what they're doing. So they said that the new hires have, and I'm going to quote it here, begun to refine and expand upon the art of Pantheon, including further developing the visual footprint of Thronefast, creating modular building kits for human architecture, polishing the models of their existing player races, and expanding their animation suite. So 
Uh, you know, I'm kind of interested in the modular kits for human architecture for sure. And, you know, I'd love to see, uh, you know, inside Thronefast at some point, <coughs> making of Thronefast 2022 <laughs> edition, maybe, because we've seen that before. I think that was 2017 that the last yeah. one was. Yeah, been a while. So it sounds like, the, you know, the same thing is is sort of happening um, for the rest of the team. They're doing the sort of the same thing around Wild's End. Uh, one of the cool lines I found from the newsletter, uh, they talked about, uh, quote, rounding out the building kits that can be used to expand halfling influence elsewhere in Wild's End and in broader Terminus. So that's kind of interesting. You know, maybe we'll see some halfling uh, abodes in different lands abroad, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Um, if they're out exploring the world, that kind of thing. Something to keep an eye out for. Um, I do like that it sounds like VR is being very, like, cognizant of each race's architecture and how it needs to be its own thing. Uh, you know, human buildings are going to have certain characteristics and halfling buildings, even the ones we've seen more recently, have other characteristics. And and for me, like, that's, you know, that's pretty important. And I'm going to steal your thunder here a bit, Dust, because, um, you know, I'm going to mention Vanguard preemptively <laughs> <laughs> before you can, because that was a really a key element in Vanguard's game design in, in terms of each each of the three, uh, you know, main races or, or regions having their own design styles. So the Thestrin, the Quajani, and the, the Qualian? Kalian? Kalian. 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 Yeah, they were all basically had their own signature design and, and it played into it when you were crafting your house or your boat. You know, they all had various styles, even the armor and, and the different other things you could craft had different styles to them. So, you know, when thinking about these, you know, these modular kits and using these to design, you know, pantheons different races and, and areas of the world i think it's really cool so you know desert you know considering the nine playable races of terminus how important for you is it that each structure you know be clearly sort of differentiated by the race and is there any one in particular that you would want to see more than others man i mean yeah it's huge uh i think it's a, a big deal but it is funny you kind of mentioned vanguard because when we're talking about modular kits i think what comes to mind for anyone that's that's played uh, is this kind of like a conflicting thing where, yeah, each continent had its its particular style, but also it was really obvious that the assets were reused over and over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, probably like a limitation of the technology at the time. And something. their time, yeah, just how, how mm-hmm. many people and how much time they had. But um, but nowadays, uh, when we're talking about like modular kits, it's, it's usually referencing a much like smaller pieces rather than like a whole building. So it's kind of where an artist can take a bunch of these little segments, put them together to create something that shares a style, but it's actually unique. Um, and fortunately that practice has come a long way since the days of Vanguard. So I'm, I'm hoping we won't yeah. see the same copy and paste look that, that I would think of immediately when I think of Vanguard's different styles, but um, as far as what I'm looking forward to, um, for like architecture, uh, mm-hmm. actually Archai. I mean, uh, obviously I'm maining an Archai, so not a huge surprise, but, but it's mainly cause I actually don't have any idea how their buildings might look. Um, mm-hmm. we've, we've seen a lot of concepts of, of the other races, right. But I don't recall seeing, uh, Archai building. I don't think we have, no, yeah. and it's, uh, I don't think we have for sure. And because they're, um, they're located on White Thaw on the continent, um, you know, in the south, the southern continent. Um, yeah, we haven't definitely haven't seen anything concept art or any, anything else beyond that 
you know, I kind of imagine them being living in, I don't know why crystals sort of come to mind when I think of the archive. I do too, like, yeah. Because the elemental aspect of them and their elemental attunements. So, you know, like what was what was like superman's home world remember he had like that crystal fortress yeah, yeah, in the old yeah. movies i i think kind Something of like geodes that. as well you know like yeah. that kind of uh, a look which is pretty cool geode yeah exactly that's actually better than the way i was thinking now i'm gonna picture that in my mind so <laughs> i'd love to i'd love to see like them do like a even if it's just concept art you know just some designs about the different uh you know architectures amongst the races i think that'd be pretty cool um, next up, they talked about uh, vinyl, which of course we were expecting to hear about, and we want to hear about where they're at in terms of their implementation of their networking solution. And we did. Um, they said that, uh, quote, they're entering the final phases of vinyl implementation and are at the beginning to plan allocation for the myriad of systems and improvements that have been dependent on their new networking infrastructure. So, you know, hearing final stages is encouraging. Of course, it would have been nice to hear it's done. But, um, you know, if you're keeping track, if you're sort of keeping track in your mind of how long it's been, I, I did go back the other day and look and it's um, been nine weeks since the March newsletter told us that they were, you know, going full time. And this was the this was the focus and nothing else could, you know, not, not that nothing else could get done, but this was everything was going to be put into this at that time. And it basically had to get done and wouldn't stop until it was completed. So it's been nine weeks um, if you're keeping track. And um, one of the interesting things about this, I think, from this newsletter is uh, talking about um, saying what's the top priority once it is done. Um, we know about some of the things that are dependent, but they said converting the game into the seamless, uh, converting our game world into its seamless state and support for dynamic entity spawns that will allow us to flesh out quests and encounters, as well as set the stage for their pet systems. Now, Desmond, let's talk about this for a second because we know that certain classes, <clears throat> Ranger and others, are dependent on the networking uh, being in place. We know about pet classes. We know the Summoner is a best example of that. But what about this seamless world and, and the dynamic entity spawns I mentioned here? What's what's your takeaway on that? Okay, well, honestly, uh, I feel like this is one of those things that they could have maybe worded a little better. Um we're just going to not put in because <laughs> uh, this it's I've already seen um, after people, you know, reading the newsletter, it's, it's already causing some confusion. Um, Cause like, wh like, what, what do you mean convert the world to its seamless state? Like, wasn't that done already? Haven't we seen that? Right. Like it, yeah, it, it causes when I questions. read it for the first time. Yeah. When I read it for the first time, I had the same reaction. I was like, Oh, wait a minute. I thought like, I thought that was already done. I thought it was be part of their, terrain streaming technology you know they talked about that in the past and that was a big headline when they talked about it right, right. because it was no more zone lines except for like dungeon entrances you know so that was part of the part of the conversation then but it sounds like that isn't possible until the networking is done well so th that's kind of the, the the issue right is we've been given this term with no description and so everyone's kind of connecting it to other things with similar words right and mm -hmm. uh, and so without a description, we're kind of just stuck there. And I I, I know it like they're not intending it to just be techno babble. I don't think, but like it, it is a little frustrating. I would say to hear them kind of word things like beginning to plan allocation, like right because like that that sounds like oh yeah we're we're looking to schedule like. <laughs> 
that's mm. it just doesn't come across as straightforward right it, it, it's harder to read than i i think it's probably even intended to be um mm-hmm. so. yeah i mean it it's it does sound like um you know sort of <laughs> technical speak that doesn't maybe need to be so technical yeah um i don't know i so i'm i'm i am i guess a little confused as to you know what what exactly um how that how these two systems mesh together i mean or maybe are what the interaction is between these two systems that uh you know requires it but i don't know i guess we'll have to wait and see but it was just interesting to me that you know there there's more than you know there there's higher priorities than um some of the things that we didn't know about before like we didn't know about this being a priority um yeah in terms of what has to happen after the networking is uh, to, to give credit i think listing priority is pretty cool um for sure mm-hmm. um but we don't really know what the priority means right <laughs> but so so like uh, let me let me try to take a shot at interpreting this okay so right to to try to translate i would say the network stack you know vinyl is almost in and running uh and once it's in they have a few things on the checklist to make sure hooked up and one of them is making sure that it all works with their streaming tech that they've talked about before so for example um and and, uh, i'm sure there's more than just like the the streaming tech you know on this checklist so to speak but uh it is a big deal and if you think about it though it's one thing to let a developer kind of fly around seamlessly on one machine which is what we've seen right um Mm -hmm. but it's a another thing to make sure that all of that is working while networked and yeah you know since we've seen the world in a seamless state already that's kind of what i presume is meant by that but again you know without a descriptor don't really know um however i i would have just kind of bundled that into the vinyl integration honestly uh if 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 it's part of it you know that whole checklist to make sure that everything's integrated um because that's the word that's been used integration um right i I would just prefer like oh that's just part of integration let's let's throw that in and so you know again i'm not trying to be negative but as long as they don't you know come back next month saying that hey vinyl's in but now you know we've got to convert the world to its seamless state and that's like the next milestone and like as long as we don't kind of get that cascading like oh well, I yeah. guess there was this other thing that we weren't we didn't know about. Oh, there's this other thing, and I'm sure a lot of people right. are afraid of that. But um, yeah. I, I'm sure it's fine. It's just a little maybe awkwardly worded, and and uh, you know yeah. we'll get an update within a few weeks anyway. So it, it's all good. But um, the last thing is a dynamic entity spawns. Um, I think that's just referring to kind of them improving their tools to do things like uh, make an NPC or or an item in the world uh, spawn oh, right. based on like kind of a, a few conditions, like from a quest, um, you know, stuff. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. That's what I read from it too. The, 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 the quest aspect of it. I actually, in the newsletter, one of the things I didn't note in the notes here, but they did talk about it in one of the sections and I'm trying to find it while we're talking, but basically talked about building out the narrative of thrown yep. fast and some of the storylines and tasks um, in that area or Avenger's pass, I think it was. Um, so I think that, this probably goes hand in hand with that. So it's nice to hear that, you know, um, the perception and all the stuff associated with that actually is, you know, there's progress being made along that while this is going on. So, um, you know, just that nice sort of 
multiple parallel fl- workflows, you know? <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it's, it's not just it's nice to have an update. And, and for that, I'm thankful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, so that's that. Um, now, the next one is really cool because it actually involves um, our show last week, which was uh, all about a big section of our show last week is about crafting. Talked about the schematics and, and covering the dev roundtable that Nafel appeared on um, because a crafting showed up in this newsletter. The quote from uh, VR is that they've, quote, completed the initial implementation of our crafting and gathering systems with both now in a playtest ready state. So that's great. It's ready to test and uh, get ready to get in there and try our crafting out. Um, but uh, we need to go over some of the things because uh, Nafel was uh, in chat with us last week during yeah. the show, during the premiere. So sure enough, we're talking about crafting on the show and we've got our community in there and chatting away. And, uh, you know, people are going to take the opportunity to ask him some questions, which they did. <laughs> so <laughs> Naturally, yeah. He... He dropped some really good clarifications. I know, Desiree, when we were there last week, we were both like, wow, you know, like just, you know, great clarifications, both, you know, very thankful for him to uh, to speak to some of these things, which, of course, is completely, you know, unplanned and yeah. random. And just, oh, it's uh, so cool that they, they will do this um, like fairly often, yeah. you know, hang out in Twitch chats, go to YouTube, leave comments like you find VR comments on most obscure stuff. It, it's awesome. Right, exactly. So I'm going to run through some of the clarifications that Neff provided. Um, the first one um, that are, one of the questions came out during the show was like talking about how many um, professions you can have because they did they were very clear that you know that it's going to be limited in terms of your crafting professions in terms of consumable and non-consumable. But the question was also raised about gathering. You know, like are you limited in your gathering professions? And uh, Neff said no. Gathering is separate. You can learn all the gathering prof- professions, specialize in two, and master one of them. So you know that's a pretty big information being. I and I don't think that was covered in the roundtable unless I missed it. But um, very, very cool to sort of get some definition on the the gathering side of things. So yeah, um, yeah, and like I said, Desert, jump in here anytime if you have any comments on any of these. I mean, um, just on that one, uh, I think it's incredibly <laughs> awesome that you can do all the crafting, or I mean, all the gathering um, professions mm-hmm. to some degree. Uh, just because there are people that you know love just gathering, and it kind of sucks to only be able to do one or two of them. Um, yeah. and like yeah. it sucks when you're running around and you see like a rare node and you can't, you do can't anything do anything about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And so I, yeah. I love this and, and I know there's still specialization, which is awesome, but I just, I just love that. I'm not going to have to just pass a node because I, I'm yeah. just like barred from touching it for some reason, you know? <laughs> yeah. When you said bard there, I, I, I thought you were talking about the bard <laughs> class. I'm like passing it because I'm a bard and I'm whatever. For some reason, I bard. I can't mine things. I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, anyway, another good clarification from Neff was about how um, schematics will be obtained in the game. Uh, Neff said, ways to find schematics. You can buy them from merchants, loot them, be, give, been, be given them by NPCs as rewards, trade for them with factions and maybe other secret ways. So, uh, yeah, good, uh, good little encapsulation of the, uh, all the ways that you could potentially obtain schematics in, in Pantheon. Yeah. Uh, our, our friend Sparrow, uh, asked Neff about the nature of crafting. Like what is the experience as a, as a gameplay mechanic? What's it going to feel like for us as players? And, um, Neff said it's uh, more turn-based, although there will be things you need to respond to. But at least right now, the interaction won't put you on a clock where you have to press buttons immediately. So 
yeah. So taking it a little bit away from the, uh, you know, uh, more dynamic system to a more of a turn-based system, I, you know, not exactly, you know, <laughs> clearly defined. I mean, um, I know not, what I'm thinking of and I, I'm pretty what, sure a lot of people could imagine this. It, it sounds like the Vanguard grafting method just without grades and, and probably a little bit different. Because you, you weren't right. on a time, you know, a time limit, but you had all these choices you have to make, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like this is an evolution of a similar feel, um, not yeah. being the same, of course, but, but that's what I'm thinking well, of. you know, evolution is a good thing, yeah. you know, evolution is a good thing. <laughs> There's no need to reinvent the wheel if it works right. You that's know? right. Um, so something else Neff talked about was how schematic, uh, how the schematic you're using will affect the visual of the final product. He said, usually the schematic will dictate the model that we use. He said he would like to have materials influence the textures and shaders, but that's for the art team's magic. <laughs> so uh, It's another know. thing where I'm like, uh, I wish they had gotten a tech artist back when they were talking about it. I, I still, I'm crossing my fingers that they find some rock star technical artists that can hop on the team and bridge the gap for everyone on these crazy cool features like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 One of those, one of those, you know, hope for the best, but you know, <laughs> hard to, hard to envision it. Maybe, maybe with the, with the, it would be, it would be fine if it was just by schematic. It's just, it would be such a cool little addition. Sure. Absolutely. Um, somebody, our adventure party warrior, actually, uh, Grogu, <laughs> he's also, uh, had a really important question. Uh, he, uh, asked, uh, Nafel if, uh, about the potential for material loss, like what's the risk? So this was something that came up. I'm actually going to read Grogu's question. He said, you talked about losing materials if the craft fails, which I'm okay with on easy materials, but I'm not sure how, not sure about it with potentially re- losing a rare item. Uh, maybe protect those ones from failure. And then, uh, so Nafel said, we'll probably protect some extremely rare materials from being lost, but I would not expect it unless we're talking about things that are almost unique. And there was a follow-up to that with our pal Walking Waste. He managed to dig a little more info um, from Nafel on it. Um, he said, I think losing a schematic is pretty damn punishing. And, and Nafel said, right now I'm leaning towards letting you keep the mecha- keep the schematic if you fail, but we'll see how evil I feel when we implement this fully. <laughs> so, you know, everybody be nice to the Felk unless you want to lose your crafting schematic. It's a good question though. Yeah. You know, it is really a, a, a really a important decision to make in terms of what, you know, what is the line in terms of too much loss, too much um, on the line that'll cause people not to want to use the system. So I think it's something that a lot of testing is going to need to go into and they'll figure it out. Yeah. You know, they'll get it right. Yeah. So, I mean, this is, you know, like I said, fantastic that Nafel was, uh, you know, ha- able to come over and hop in and hang out with us for the show. I want to give him a massive thank you for popping in because that's awesome. We do get, you know, VR staff showing up randomly. So, you know, we've had Joppa, we've had Tehom and Minus and, and others just come in and hang out. So you're always, you know, there's always a chance that you'll be, um, you'll get a chance to ask some questions off the cuff and sometimes they can answer them. Sometimes they can't and whatever we can get, we'll take, right? So... Uh, we'll always recap it like this for you if that happens. And so, but, but also don't, no, don't no pressure me. VR. If you just want to come hang out, that's <laughs> that's fine too. We, we won't you. we won't uh, pile on to you. <laughs> yeah, well, you're always welcome. But we're always gonna we're always gonna mine those beans. You know what we do. That that's how the community is. Bean we'd be miners. we'd be bad podcasters if we didn't. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> so let's dig into the last big ticket item from this newsletter does and that was the focus on the monk class in this uh, newsletter from uh, Tehom talking about what the early monk experience is in Pantheon. So they've done this with the wizard before and as it implies it's it's trying to get us a feel for what you know rolling a certain class is going to feel like basically up to level 10 or so. There's a ton of info in this article and I'm not going to get into everything but Desert we do have to uh, hit some of the points here. Um one of the most prevalent ideas throughout reading the article is, you know, how the monk is good in battle over time. You know, the, the, the flow of the battle and the, the, the progression of the battle over time is something that seemed to be referred to quite a bit. They said, quote, many monk abilities are themed around riding the ebb and flow of a battle and making conscientious decisions about when and why to use certain cooldowns or to attack from a certain position, end quote. So, you know, we saw this in their in the wizard spotlight. It's about tactical decision making, but this is new when there there's a there's a positional element. So, to attack from a certain position. You know, it's interesting because our um our friend Zergjerk in the community is a big fan of positioning and uh actually we're going to have a question later on from him about this. Um and I don't know about you Des, but I I as I'm a DPS player through and through. I've always been I'm trained to my core to try and flank and get behind my enemies at all times. Even, you know, even when it's not actually a mechanic in the game, I still do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, just a conditioning thing. Um, Any, any opinion on that? Any thought on uh, what they're saying there? I mean, I, I think maybe the monk might actually sometimes kind of be meant to be up front, like next to the tank, you know? Or or on the mm-hmm. side or or like I, I I like that because like you said we're kind of programmed to always be behind the mob, um, and that might yeah. be kind of a little differentiator for the monk. You know the monk has to, you know, stand by the tank and punch in the face or you know slap from <laughs> the side or you know it, it's it's yeah. interesting and I, I like it that it's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do too. And um, I think it um, I think it opens up more tactical options and more interesting gameplay. So, uh, you know, but, you know, the monk as, a, as an archetype, you know, like, where does it fit? You know, like, what is it in the in the in the quaternity? If, uh, you know, you're not familiar with that term, if you're if you're new to the Pantheon community, you know, VR did give us a bit of clarification on on, uh, you know, the monk's place in the quaternity. They said that, quote, the monk's early kit has been retuned from its original implementation to be more damage oriented, while still providing a few tools and tricks useful for off tanking and survivability. So, you know, it sounds like they're moving away from the off tank label or at least trying to maybe change that off tank label a little bit and get them into more of a flexible DPS realm, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked about the VR going with the concept of classes flexing into other roles um, for a limited duration or with limited effectiveness. And they did comment on this in the monk and the newsletter about the monk saying the monk has a variety of defensive cooldowns and aggro management tools. Uh, They're neither as robust nor immediately available to them as they would be to a dedicated tanks arsenal. So we're, we're, we're sort of fleshing out the, the monk flex, I guess, you know, we <laughs> see, we've seen the rogue do this um, in a CC capacity. Um, so all these every time they they do one of these class discussions and we learn about a little bit more about them i think it they become much more interesting and and sort of dynamic again you know class identity is one of the tenets of pantheon's development philosophy and i don't want to see them go too far away from what the class's role is but what do you think what do you think about this i mean i I think that they really 
are refining. That That's the first kind of takeaway is the monk had some, you know, what's well, kind of a big feature, right? Uh, a, a little while ago, like they did some videos on it. They actually showed the ability set. And what I especially like about this is that, you know, when they're, they're on the low level side, they want to be very clear about what the class is. And uh, and I think this is accomplishing it. And I, I think one of the best things about the monk showcase in this uh, in this newsletter is kind of the they're really situational. And uh, and I, I think generally speaking, what's going on and, and reacting appropriately, it's going to be a key element um, to playing the monk. And um, actually, there's mm-hmm. a quote that I grabbed here because um, I thought this was just perfect. And this is uh, from the newsletter it says. Blowing a cooldown just because it's available typically won't provide much advantage. And it's here that the gulf between a mediocre monk and a masterful one will be most evident. And uh, mm-hmm. and while I'm sure you could say this about Pantheon in general, you know, it it seems especially the focus for the monk. And I feel like they're, they're trying to clearly define that, right? Yeah, it's funny you grab that quote. I almost grabbed the same exact quote because um, it, it it hit me too. And, um, you know, that's that's exactly right. And I just think of all the MMOs we play right now where we're just basically hitting buttons as soon as they're off cooldown, right? Yep. You're just like, I, I just, if it's available, why not do it, right? And I love that somebody's finally taking the concept and saying, you shouldn't hit the button right now, you know, <laughs> just because it's available, you shouldn't hit the button right now. That's that's super important and and surprisingly rare yeah <laughs> and so um every time they do this i hope they continue to to use this approach with the other classes um you know and i think that it opens up a lot of interesting options and 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 just better gameplay just more thoughtful gameplay um so lots of interesting stuff i don't want to be a mediocre monk nobody wants to be right. a mediocre monk. that's right uh, you want right? to be a master monk a, right i don't i want to be a radical ranger not a <laughs> Not a <laughs> reverse ranger. I don't know what the, what the equivalent is. <laughs> Something uh, like that. Anyway, so that's that's my stuff from the monk article that stuck out to me. Anything else stick out to you? Well, it's funny you mentioned that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course, of course I do. Um, first of all, I love that this article started out with this massive emphasis right from the get-go that Pantheon is about the journey being meaningful and not just the end game. Like that was how they led into this article. And that's, it's awesome <laughs> to be very clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and so f- from that context, we kind of start this monk breakdown and, and I love that they just are setting the precedent um, to, because everything in this article actually bounces off of that idea um, of, of the journey being the most meaningful. And so I think one of the the biggest shifts that's kind of demonstrated in this article is that they're going away from uh, or they're giving some examples of kind of how they're changing the onboarding process. Again, the journey. Um, And, you know, they they mentioned this before that they're kind of working on the new player experience a little bit and onboarding and and it's shifting towards uh, kind of what I mentioned earlier, like starting out more focused on your primary role. And then as your character grows, you can start, you know, expanding out uh, to be more complex uh, with your tooling, and as, especially like finding yourself kind of able to do those, those flex roles um, in, in more fullness, right? 
uh, and we've been talking about flex roles, you know, basically it's like since the idea was introduced and, and I think, it, I think the new trajectory is a lot better because when you're learning the game and learning your class, because again, I do not think Pantheon's going to be the kind of game to, to speed to 50 and not know how to play your class. It's going to be a wreck. It's going to be very evident. Right. But, uh, but I think this new trajectory is just really a lot nicer to learning to play your class well um, and also leads to more discovery as you kind of start to peel back the layers as you level. Um, and so I, I don't know. I, I think this is just a lot better than kind of starting out as, hey, I'm a monk, but I'm also kind of this flex role as well. And then you just kind of like just generically get more powerful while you level. Like this way seems like you're actually... I don't know. It, it feels more like you're growing. You're 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 able to do more complex things, not just more powerful things. Um, and it actually increases right. the difficulty as you play in a way, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you grow into your skills. You know, you grow into your skills, and it's not just about you know finger reflexes and you know like how quickly I can you know how I can synchronize my clicking ability <laughs> it's more about like i need to learn when to use this that's one of the problems i have with a lot of mmos actually is you know when i go back to them because you you stop playing them for a while and then you go back to them and it, you learning you know in in good mmos you know learning your skills is essential and if you don't do that you just end up doing the the finger roll across yep. the you know the, the action yep. bar right and so i think this is important yeah like this will keep people connected to pantheon oh yeah I, I love this idea of growing in complexity. And I think having that kind of mastery where you know your class is, you know, tenfold more deep um, at the end than it was at level, mm -hmm. you know, eight <laughs> um, right. makes you more tied to it because you actually feel like you have a certain amount of expertise. You don't feel hot swappable for someone else. Um, right. But, uh, but it, uh, another big takeaway um, was I think these kind of notes about milestone levels. So they stated that level 10 is something of a milestone for all classes. Um, and the monk gets access to the first of their five uh, chakra gates at that level now. So it's a big deal. Um, yeah. I like those milestone abilities. I, I like the, the landmark abilities that you get something, you know, big at a, at a sort of waypoint on your journey. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, like you're unlocking this key feature of your class and then you're continuing to become more and more of your class um, at these big, like chunky milestones. And um, in this, the same way they put that, so level 10 is kind of like, you know, you've been playing really this very DPS focus, uh, you know, very primary role focus. And then they said kind of the 10 to 20 experience is still, you know, very much that that focus, but you kind of become more specialized. And and they, they list that the... Um, the abilities and and what you're you're getting through those levels is actually more group oriented uh, gameplay, and that's important. Yes, and and that is when they start introducing just some off tanking. Um, again, it's the, that kind of pacing. It, I I think just feels just right, man. I, I can't wait to, can't wait to play it right, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's natural, yeah. and I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Those are really good points. And uh, I love, I, you know, we had that beta quite a while ago about the onboarding process and like, when do you start introducing group stuff versus getting away from the solo stuff? And I think that, um, you know, 
you need to have you need to get that group stuff mixed in as soon as possible yeah. but not you know like i think this seems like the formula they've sort of they're looking at now with these the wizard now and now the monk description of how they're one to ten is really your your learning time you know and then we're going to get the group stuff mixed in and not like games not like mmos do it now where you you just everything at at the end game yeah. where you know that's where all the fun grouping stuff comes in it's like no before that yeah so i mean i'm still holding out for like pre pre 10 groups for sure um i think yeah. the idea of group centric uh in this context is has a lot to do with getting abilities that play off of others um, mm-hmm. but I, I, yeah, I yeah. still hope that there's grouping like super early on. Um, if you, if you'd yeah. like, you, you would just be very much like just your primary role. Like I could imagine yeah, yeah, not yeah. really being able to fulfill the off tanking, um, situations if there are any, you know, in those low levels, yeah. which is fine. Fine. For um, sure. so let's get to another kind of significant thing. Um, and, uh, I think this was kind of a, a key takeaway since we've been talking about, uh, techniques a lot, right? And so this is a great example. And that's if, if the monk comes across a staff early on, they might find themselves gaining some different techniques versus what they would if they were just sticking to hand to hand, which is, I guess, kind of the more like default, right? And mm-hmm. so they describe the monk staff techniques as more focused on support, uh, creation and capitalization of states and controlling enemy position, while hand to hand is more about just raw damage and resource replenishment with with maybe a little bit of uh, CC like a stun. Um, I I love that they're introducing that differentiator right off the bat, and uh, and they even mentioned that like even readiness regen might be different between the two. And so, right. it, what's what's super cool about this, Theric, is that what this means is if you happen to get a staff early on, and you know, you you come across another monk, like let's say at level ten, you're already going to be differentiated from them. You're already going to be different. Mm-hmm. You're going to be your what you have leaned into, um, if you chose to, you know, keep working with that staff, right? Um, right. Oh, that's so cool, man. That's so mm-hmm. cool. Yeah, no, it is very cool, and and gives your you know class identity, but also your personal. Right. Identity, right. Your character identity. Right. Because the main thing is you're not splitting from your archetype early on or anything like yeah. that. There's nothing yeah. like that. You're, you're just becoming a different, but still very much monk. I, I, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, well, well, lastly, um, I, I have to point this out because I got to give props where it's due. And uh, I got to touch on the, the whole ch- uh, chakra gate changes um, mm-hmm. because we've, we've read about these before. And I think from the past videos and stuff, you could get a good idea of how this was working, even in practice, because we have videos of them using it. And so, um, but to kind of give a, a sloppy recap, just in case people have forgotten or haven't seen that, is the initial implementation of this mechanic was that you'd have access to different abilities based on which gate you had open. Um, and that would happen, that would be like kind of initiated by these the different abilities on your LES. Like certain ones would open one gate, certain ones would open another. But um, but it would mean that sometimes uh, when you would have one gate open, several of your abilities on the LAS were basically unusable. Um, and while the general idea was pretty cool, I think, overall, I, I have to point this out because I just love that VR openly acknowledged that while the idea might have been cool, it didn't play out how they intended. And then after some feedback, right. they've gone through and they've changed the mechanic it's you know much less restricting, but it's still 
super situationally rewarding uh and like for players that actually know what they're doing um and, and also more fun because you know you're not canceling out half of your las when you go into a certain gate right <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i mean again going back to the whole mediocre you know player thing like this is the kind of thing that's going to put the pedal to the metal you know and, and test people because you know, you you have to understand how these mechanics work. You're going to have yeah. to. And if you don't, you know, it's going to be a problem. Um, and that's on you. You know, <laughs> that's on you as a player to invest yourself into the game enough so that you understand these things. Yeah. yeah. And so the, the new system, uh, from what they describe, is basically now um, when a gate is opened, uh, it acts more like a stance. Um, and it just gives you kind of some passive bonuses. But... Yeah, at that point you're like oh man they they totally like washed this uh you know they, they made this super simple mm. but no it's passive bonuses and it unlocks uh these unique effects for certain abilities while you have that gate open so it's like it's literally the best of both worlds um <laughs> yeah. you know like y- yeah. you're not canceling out your las but for the person that knows what they're doing they know hey if i'm in this gate i should probably use these abilities it's like it, it kind of achieves the same thing. Um, and yeah. Oh, what a great solution. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> nice. Desrin approved. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been I've been really on an ability kick lately. Right. Like, so so like this makes me so happy because it's a, a simple solution to make it more fun, but also just as uh, make sure that proficiency is just as big of a deal. And and uh, yeah, sure. I, I really I have to just highlight that again, this just shows that VR is fine with admitting when something doesn't work out how they want. Um, and even better, they're happy to kind of respond to feedback and, and change things to make their game better. And, uh, and that's my, my super positive note today is. I like yeah. it. I like it. <laughs> it's good. I'm, that's awesome, man. I, I could hear you talk about class abilities all day. That you've, you've got such a good insight on them and, you know, just the way that they get you excited is, is super fun to hear. <laughs> Speaking of super fun, <laughs> yeah. we got to mention Stonefish in the community feature of the newsletter. Stonefish is, is super fun. Like if you looked it up in the dictionary, he's got the most wacky sense of humor. <laughs> um, you know, the way that they word things, you know, that the way that their posts are always sort of like worded in ridiculous ways and and just being good at starting conversations with ridiculous um, suggestions and ideas is so out there. And somebody who's not afraid to just, you know, be goofy and, you know, who cares what you think sort of thing. <laughs> I love that mentality of, you know, that's that that's like that's like if I could change one thing about myself i think i would be more like that sometimes <laughs> so um if you want to go read up on stonefish you know go check the newsletter and, and read up up about them so yeah it's good this this might have been my favorite part of the newsletter and <laughs> like like maybe to, that's to, to influence you to actually like read this um i i have a few quotes that just are so they're so stonefish, but they're also so relatable, depending on your character, of course. But um, here are a few things just so, for a taste of what you could get from reading this. And one of the quotes is, I read a lot, but remember little. And I love people, but enjoy them not being around me. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, yeah, man. That's it. That's it. Exactly. That's me. Yep. It's honesty. It's like, it's everything you want in a statement. And uh, to go along with that, there's another one. Uh, he says, I love you all. Now stay away from me. <laughs> I'm going to use that, I think. Um, 
And uh, and and lastly, that this I'm just going to quote this because this is perfect. Uh, what's your favorite part of the Pantheon community? Stonefish says the plethora of obviously undiagnosed mental maladies in combination with inquisitive <laughs> and heartfelt good cheer. Oh, exactly, exactly. That's what makes us all fun because people are nuts and, and we love them. You <laughs> exactly. know, that's what it's about, right? No, totally, yeah. totally. Uh, so Stonefish is is good good people and would be welcome in any group that I was adventuring with just for that, just for the conversation, no matter what. Um, I think that's a good place to leave our VR news for this week. So make sure you go over to uh, pantheonmmo.com to read the entire newsletter. Uh, For notes here at Pantheon Plus, you know, we're keeping you Pantheon patient with our fan community content, whether it's videos, whether it's streaming or fan fiction, or just having conversations on discord. Um, Personally, for me, I'm, I'm really up to my eyeballs in researching what the holidays on Terminus are <laughs> the challenge mentioned in the lore. It's, it's been a serious challenge. It's been super hard. I didn't had no idea it would be this hard. So I, I have no idea when the video is going to be ready, but whatever it's in the works. I'm working on it. Um, something that is ready to go is Drac and his, uh, EQ buddies, uh, loading up for the next TLP server launch, uh, with another no sleep till 40 stream. Now that's going to kick off on Thursday, May 26th, 9 a.m. Eastern on our Twitch channel. Uh, and I'm going to give you a little uh, video uh, teaser to whet your appetite for it. So check this out. No! Sleep! Hill! 40! 40? What kind of noob game goes to 40? That's right, you crazy EQ fanatics. We are back again this year for another EverQuest TLP server launch. This year, we'll be doing the Vanakey server. And if you haven't heard, that server is level locked at level 40. So we'll be going from level 1 all the way to level 40 all in one sitting. And we'll be starting that nice and early in the morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on May 26th. But the fun doesn't stop there. We're going to be hitting a bunch of raid targets. We're going to be camping high-level mobs. We're going to be on for the whole weekend. So strap in, kiddos. But we're going to sleep at some point, right? Who knows? You'll have to tune in and join us at twitch.tv slash Pantheon Plus to find out. I'm already tired. I'm going to take a nap to get ready. Pantheon Plus is not responsible for sleep depravity, sleep deprivation, or other sleep disorders. Please consult a doctor before staying up more than 12 hours at a time. If you stay up more than 24 hours watching the No Sleep Till 40 stream, you may experience nausea, headaches, and the urge to buy Chrono and or lease a vehicle. Please note that while we love our requests and are excited for this stream... If Pantheon Rise of the Fallen launches Alpha before the state, we will drop EQ like a hot potato and will be no life in Pantheon Alpha. Pantheon is a crowdfunded MMO, so please go head over to pantheonmmo.com slash pledge and help support the movement. All rights reserved, onward and upward. So if you plan actually on playing on either of the new EQ TLP servers and you're looking for a guild, you can join our Discord and check the announcements channel because we have some friends uh, that are looking for Pantheon community people to actually join up in their guild. So uh, we put up a little uh, little share on that and you can be able to uh, see what they're, what they're up to and if you want to join. Um, in terms of our calendar for the week, here it is. Uh, you'll see on Monday, uh, Fox is streaming Lord of the Rings online, 7 p.m. Eastern. Drac and his buddies are, of course, doing Midnight at EQ Adventures. Now, Tuesday is, is a big one because uh, Basgrim is uh, doing the Pantheon Jeopardy. Now, Basgrim's not a part of Pantheon Plus. He's his own thing, of course. But we're all going to be there. We're going to be hanging out watching Pantheon Jeopardy because we want to see what goes on there. And <laughs> yeah. This is I'm interested. I This is going to be super fun. So Tuesday, 9 p.m. Eastern on uh, Basgrim.tv on his Twitch channel. <clears throat> Come hang out with us and, and have some fun. Uh, Wednesday, Sparrow is on her Twitch channel playing Lord of the Rings Online, 9 p.m. Eastern. 
On Friday, our buddy Redbeard Flynn is doing a video on YouTube up talking about the longest running MMOs. So that's in, that's interesting. I'm curious to see what he has to say about that. Uh, Sparrow's uh, doing P99 that evening on her Twitch channel. I believe it's on her Twitch channel. And uh, yeah, that's the week for May 23rd to 29th um, for us here at Pantheon Plus. Like I said, join our Discord. Uh, we can continue the discussions we have, whether it's on the Rewind here or on Classes 101 or anything else like that. So uh, we'll leave it there. And that's it for uh, this week's VR News and Notes. When the Pantheon community speaks, we listen. So let's dig into the forums and fan projects to see what the discussion's all about. All right, folks. Uh, let's do a bit of fun speculation today for our community discussion. Uh, this thread comes to us from uh, Enoden on the official Pantheon forums, and it's titled Flex Rolls, um, purely spe- speculi- speculative. There we go. Um, so <laughs> so basically, uh, Enoden points out that in one of the recent streams, um, maybe even multiple actually, Joppa kind of mentioned that each class will be able to flex into a secondary role in some way. So based off of this, as Enoden puts it, they make two assumptions. So one, that there will eventually be three classes in each primary role, um, except damage, which, you know, they'll have more than three. And two, that each of the three classes for each primary role will have a different flex role. Um, so whether or not that's true, um, <laughs> I figured just for fun, we mm-hmm. could kind of uh, go over Enidin's list and, you know, See what they might sure. think about the yeah. various classes and and the flex roles. So, yeah, I'm curious. I hadn't, you know, I hadn't really ever actually thought about this. It's an interesting topic. Yeah, and I th- it's just too appropriate for you know what we were chatting about earlier. So, so yeah, yeah let's let's kind of yeah. uh, hit through this, and you know, if if we sure. think it it works, that's great. We'll move on. If if it uh, if we think there it might be something else, maybe we'll we'll have a little uh, little chat here. So yeah, a little discussion. Um, sure. And and we'll you know edit in. Uh, this is just for fun, but uh, thanks for putting this thread up. And uh, we don't know either. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's start with the tanks. So warrior, the, right off the bat, Enoden uh, has it set to flex into support. Hmm. Yeah, it's funny because my brain would have said going into heals, you know, into a healer role right away. But um, you know, I, I guess I just think of like a warrior cleric. Um, being the default, but hmm. uh, I don't know. Interesting to see where they go. With so that. I actually think this is accurate because of the banners. Um, I th- I yeah, think uh, the banners. warrior, in spite of being you know the kind of beefiest brunt or brute force AC kind of focused um, uh, master tactician, I think the the support side leans into the tactician bit where they're they're a commander, they're a leader, and they have these sure, uh, banners. Yeah, you're right. right. Yeah. They've, they've talked about that on an old co-stream. Um, you know, he was asking about the banners and they, they did sort of describe it that way. You're right. So good yeah, call. Yeah. Okay. So so we've got Paladin next. And this is this one makes too much sense to me. So this one flexes into heal, I think. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Of course. It's It's got to be the heal, right? That one has to easy, be the heal for easy. sure. Easy, easy. So that's that's an easy one, Enoden. Um, yeah. Dire Lord, flex into damage. Well, hmm. So the Dire Lord, let's let's think about the primary role right now, right? They're they're like the anti magic tank. That's yeah, their primary yeah. the way they've been described is good against casters, good against things. So you know what would be a logical flex from a from a anti caster role? Hmm. Maybe just I guess more damage against casters, maybe. Yeah, I guess. Maybe. I I was kind of torn between support and and damage because 
Damage makes sense just because I, I played the Dread Knight and Vanguard and I associate it a lot, I'll admit. But um, I mm-hmm. also think of um, what's that ability that you put it on one mob and it like spreads that the Dire oh, Lord has? Oh, right. Um, yeah. It, oh, what is I that? don't remember. remember <laughs> but but like that kind <laughs> of thing makes me want to lean into maybe they could be damaged. Plus they're hopefully going to be two-handed tank focused. And that just strikes yeah. me as damage. So I, I think Enodin's accurate like, on this one. Yeah, probably like a like a dot kind of damage. Yeah, right? drain tank or or whatever you want to call it. Drain yeah. tank. Yeah, that's right. All right, let, let's uh, let's get into healers. So this one obviously I'll be uh, a little passionate on the last one here. But uh, <laughs> so the cleric Enodin says they might flex into tank. Huh. <clears throat> yeah. Battle cleric. Yeah. Right? Um, heavy armor you you know heavy armor you also um one of the skills i'm thinking about the cleric's class page and one of their primary um skill sets is a, there's like a celestial barrier that they have access to mm. right um, i'm trying to remember what it's called i could look it up if i was really energetic but there's there is like a there's like a celestial barrier that they can put down and it basically puts them in a bubble so to speak or maybe mm-hmm. others in a bubble i don't remember so i could yeah so like a sort of a um um, what's like a, like an immunity tank, like a temporary immunity kind of tank. Yeah. Yeah. I could see it. I could see it. And maybe mm-hmm. even since they have heavy armor, I could imagine like intercessions. Uh, and right. I, I think yeah. that would be really cool. So I think, I think Enidin's right on this one too. I, I, I think the tank, uh, off, off roll is good. Now the shaman. Sure. Shaman flex into yeah. support. I think this one's obvious. Cause I mean, the shaman is, they've got debuffs, right? That seems to yes. be part of their kit is is diminishing the opponent um, with all their t- their well, chron- chrono stuff, you know, with the yeah. other. Yeah, I think this is a easy one. Time walk yeah. and all the things they can do. Yeah. So, I mean, they're already almost like just from what we've seen of them in terms of the, as a pure healer, they're the closest to being not a pure healer already. Yeah. Right. So um, it's pretty easy to sort of slide them into that you know, the other stuff they do become the primary thing. And then whether that's debuffing or whether that's, you know, controlling the controlling the flow of battle through some sort of time mechanic, yeah. which would, you know, be amazing. Oh, but, dude, you know, you're telling me. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think this one's right. Support. Uh, okay, so we're here. Um, Druid. So what are you going to be? Yeah, what's Fle- your deal? So Enidin has it listed to flex into damage. And all I got to say is... So we're talking about Druid. I got to say, God, I hope so. <laughs> like, I would love <laughs> really? to have Druid be a healer primary and a, a flex roll of damage. Come on. Well, see, what's funny about that is because in a lot of, you know, maybe um, other games, MMOs and single player RPGs, the Druids tend to flex more into um, tank rolls because they can transform into yeah, like that's bears, true. right? They They become beefier. They become like a you know, some sort of a creature that could take a lot of hits, take some damage to sort of support the, support the tank role. So I don't know. Yeah. That, that's um, maybe, maybe damage, probably more of an elemental type of druid in that respect, yeah. as opposed to like a shapeshifter. But yeah. Yeah. And I think that this is one we have like so little information on, you know, I, I want it to yeah, be damage, yeah, but yeah. like you said, you know, if they pull some influences from that, like shapeshifting, yeah, I could see it being tank or whatever, but but I think Crow Singer could uh, testify with me that we just want lightning. We want storms. Um, well, she just wants Herode. Yeah, <laughs> she wants Herode too. on her shoulder. That too. But what if Herode 
could call lightning upon a spot or so. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I want to be. what if Herodic could transform into a giant Herodic and take all the punishment? Oh, now we're getting there. Oh, man. Okay, we should. Let's let's get into the support uh, primary category here. <laughs> yeah. So uh, first off, let, let's let's start with the one that's actually in the you know it's actually in the game. We'll do Enchanter, yeah, and yeah. the flex was damage. Well, um, hmm, interesting because you know from what we've seen of the Enchanter, and we have seen quite a bit of it, or at least some of it. They haven't really showed off any kind of a flex role for the enchanter. So right. this really makes it a mystery. Um, I don't think it's damage. I wouldn't, that wouldn't be my go-to. I would think more something else, but I don't know what else. It just, nothing seems so, right. So uh, th- this, this was a, a fun really one to one. really like quickly think about because uh, I agree with you. I think damage is kind of like the default flex that you could think of of anything, right? It's like, oh, well, I'm a this, but I sure. can also damage because that's what all the other games do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but for this, it made me kind of try to expand my mind a little bit and think, what is healing? Does healing have to be your HP pool? And so I kind of think of Enchanter as maybe maybe flexing into healing in a not typical way, if that makes sense. Hmm, interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe maybe like a like a mana healer, but they that's kind of what they do. The, the only other alternative, uh, you know, would I, I would say ch- tanks. By charm, by proxy of charm. If you can yeah. count that, yeah. m- you know, maybe, maybe. So this one's yeah. up in the air for me, man. I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to, you know what? I know you've got Necro and Bard here, but how are we going to do this? <laughs> we don't know anything I about know. them to begin well, with. Again, this is all just. I think we should veto these two. Yeah, these these are a little, this is, we're, we're speculating on what their primary role true. would be. <laughs> well, we, we know, well, that's true. Uh, we know if Bard is support, right? Um and yeah. I don't know what that looks like. I, I have to talk about Bard though, because there's a, a post in the thread that I just love the follow up for. And and so <laughs> originally, uh, Anodin puts uh, Bard as flexing into tank, which I'm like, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um. But but <laughs> and later in the thread, someone says Bard just flexes into more support. And, yeah, more and then the you just go faster exa- exactly it's like oh i'm gonna support you even harder but the the wing list comes in it says bard flexing I- into even harder support makes me laugh because <laughs> that was my first instinct uh seeing that as well a jack of all trades becomes more jacked <laughs> <laughs> more more jacked i like oh that. I man like it. Now let's get let's get to the deep, okay okay. You know, Sorry, Redbeard. Uh, Theric's vetoing the the necro. I'm vetoing the um, necro. All right, so let's start with yes. rogue. I mean, this is easy, right? Flex into support. Yeah. Yep. We've seen okay. It. Easy. It. Called it. Monk flex into tank. Yep. We just talked about talked this. About it yep. Ranger. Yep. <laughs> Ranger. We flex into more damage. <laughs> That's all we do. Exactly. It's so it's so we're here. We're here again. The ranger just gets when you more see a ranged. Ranger, when you see a ranger flex, they're not talking about like flexing your role. They're talking about like flexing their <laughs> biceps because that's what the ranger flex is. Oh, I, this is a tough one too because I feel like we don't have a lot of information yeah. on what a potential flex would be. I think a lot of EQ folks might say tank, right? Here's what I'm going to here's what I'm going to say. Ranger's going to flex into support, but it's going to be like travel support it's going to be like scouting support 
right? That that kind of support tracking, scouting, and you know the the hawks, the weasel, or whatever it is we get, you know, um, and tracking again needs to be in there. <laughs> different kind of support, do. though. Yeah, yeah, like a different kind of support. I, I think I'm totally with that, and uh, and that's what Enoden put as well was uh, support, and yeah. I could see that. Uh, and and again, we're broadening the define of support to be more than CC now. That's that's what's important. Yeah. Um, totally. And then we got summoner flex into tank, probably through the pet, right? I would think so. That makes sense. Get a get a beefy tank, a, a beefy pet going. You know, get one of those Archimentals going. Yeah. And, Equip. You know, you know deck them well, out with like tank. You know, whatever gear, yeah. or, uh, however that works, right? Um, and plus, you're leveling them up, right? And you're developing their abilities because yeah. that's they've talked about yeah. that. Yeah, true, true. I think this one makes sense. Yeah, I, th- I think tank is is sure. right in line. Um, and then wizard, <laughs> and then wizard. So <laughs> I know all the wizards are going to be like, yeah, we flex into more damage. Like that's we are. Yeah, they just want to steal the ranger thunder, of course. Exactly, they do. exactly. Um, and this one was a kind of questionable one for Enadin saying, you know, support uh, maybe. Um, it's hmm. I jokingly oh. say tank. Uh, because that's just <laughs> that's the MMO stereotype, right? Just pull the aggro. Um, yeah, that's right. They they inadvertently flex into tank because yep. they just they do too much damage. Accidental tank flexing. A, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. Battle mage. It's hard to say. Thinking thinking archetypes, but um, I think you know. Again, wizard is another class that we've seen we've seen played on stream, and um, they haven't really had a flex. They're very straightforward, you know, right? They haven't. It has been very straightforward, you know, so I think this is a, something that we could, you know, probably stand to see a little bit more evidence of in the future. Yeah, if they have one at all. And and this is kind of uh, the great place to wrap up because uh, one of the best parts about the classes and, and uh, you know, every game design element of Pantheon is not just making everyone equal in the uh, sense of balance, right? Um, and mm-hmm. so... Maybe wizard doesn't flex. Maybe that's their thing. Right. They're just right. boom. Yeah, certainly possible. I don't yeah. know. That's interesting. Well, this is a really fun discussion, and and I I strongly encourage anyone that went through this list to uh, maybe give your list. What do you think is going to be uh, the flex role of all of these different classes and? And uh, I'm really eager to see what what people come up with because this is a really fun little bit of speculation. So uh, thanks for coming. Yeah, I'm interested to see interested to see what people say about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, then uh, that'll be it for this week's uh, community discussion. The Pantheon community is full of cool projects, new people, and things that are just worth sharing. Hmm. What's this over here? Look at that. So let's see what we can find in this week's Community Spotlight. All right, folks, uh, quick, super quick, actually, one today, um, but, you know, big nonetheless. So first off, we got to talk about Crow Singer submitting the final chapter of her fan fiction uh, in this way of storms, of course, which is live now on Pantheon.plus. And man, this has been uh, almost exactly a year in the making, and she's finally got it all wrapped up. it's awesome. I'm, I'm excited. Um, <laughs> I'm excited too. 
I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to read it from cover to cover. Yeah. And uh, speaking of that, she uh, posted some really handy kind of ebook friendly versions of the whole tale, all kind of put together for uh, people like myself that want to just read from start to finish that whole thing all at once. Um, And both I'll put two separate links down in the show notes. Uh, One is going to be for the uh, chapter 23 and one is going to be for uh, the ebook versions that she so handily provided. And I just, I can't wait. I can't wait to read that whole thing now. <laughs> for um, sure. For sure. Video side, we've got Mr. Sir, the Nathan Napalm dropping a hypetastic video uh, about last week's developer live stream, as I think you would expect. <laughs> yeah. Always get your blood. That's right. That's right. Uh, Also want to shout out a few things from Basgrim. Uh, First, he did do a uh, a dev live stream, um, Bazflash, and also did a watch party that it always falls on a Friday, which is like an awkward time for us scripting. But I do want to shout it out um, in case you want to, uh, if you miss it on Thursday, the dev live stream, he goes through it uh, on Friday uh, and does it live. So it's pretty, pretty fun. Um, and, uh, oh, you already mentioned it, but I, I feel like this is going to be, I just want to get this in people's heads cause this is going to be fun. Pantheon Jeopardy coming this, this week, uh, Tuesday, May 24th, 9 PM, uh, Eastern. So make sure to be there for that. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we're going to get a nice crowd and it's going to be so fun. And I, I yeah. it's Basgrim, so you're probably going to learn some things, right? <laughs> yes, yeah. And these things tend to attract the VR devs. So again, like, don't be surprised if you, you know, we're all there, and maybe some VR devs pop in, and they uh, maybe a question gets yeah. asked and answered, and they say, mm, maybe, maybe uh, update us with a little bean or something. Who knows? Maybe. Either, either way, uh, it's going to be good fun. I hope to get as many people there as possible and just have a good time. Yeah. So again, Tuesday night, be there. And that is going to be it for this week's Community Spotlight. Mail on a Sunday? That's right. Let's check the mailbox. All right. Well, we have certainly neglected the mailbox for a long time. We, I don't think uh, we've, we've had any mail for, or we've read any mail for a little while. We've had some mail. And I, I have to say, when I went to open it, I think there was something living inside the mailbox. So it's, oh, it's best sorry time we clear that. it out. I so. Didn't... <laughs> oh, was that was that something you yeah, put I just, in there? I forgot about that, it, uh, and and you never. Oh, I guess it's okay. grown. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> What are you going to do? Well, whatever it was, it ran away. We need to get these things done quick because it's going to come back and, and chew my face off or something. <laughs> so, Desiree, let's let's rapid fire these questions. I've got two mail questions for us this week, and there's two more we're going to get to next week. But we'll start with these two. The first one is from Colin104. And Colin104 asks, um, for the fish within the oceans and rivers that can be fished, speared or caught with a net, should the perception system give a notification describing the catch? Would this notification contain statistics about the fish you'd caught, length, weight, male or female, and or some other statistic? So this is kind of interesting because, uh, you know, that goes back to the DRT roundtable that NFL did about crafting and, um, you know, talking about uh, water being sort of a, a, a node, you know, a sort of a different kind of a node and how fishing is, is going to be in the game and, and how they're going to do it. We don't know yet. Now, this sounds a lot to me like Final Fantasy fourteen fishing. Sure. where you are definitely key. You have like a fish log book and all this stuff, but he's asking, you know, should perception system be used for this? And my answer is actually no, 
because the way perception has been described to us is that it's more of like a a DM in a in a D and D session, you know, describing sort of your things that are you know you're sensing in the world around you in terms of you know uh, mystical or maybe an ethereal kind of voice. This seems to me a little too practical yeah, for the use yeah. of the perception system. Would you would you? I would agree, agree with, with that? that assessment, but I do think the perception system should be involved. Um, and Interesting. I, because you got on Vanguard before I could, I'm going to get on Elden Ring before <laughs> you can uh, in this. Oh, and nice. you know the lovely like descriptions it. for the items in Elden Ring that give hints towards lore and, and things like that? Oh my God, I th- yes. Do I know? I, yes. I think that should be how item descriptions work in Pantheon. And I think fish One, involves. 1,000%. I, you have no idea. I have a whole directory full of screenshots of items and their descriptions because that's how I'm ingesting yep. the lore is taking screenshots. Every time I find something in Elden Ring, I screenshot it and then I go later and I edit the image and I cut it down and then I save it as, <laughs> you know, I retitle it to what it is. Like I've kind of gotten nuts with it. So if that's the way they do it for fishing, oh That, that makes me so happy because I know I, I hype that up a lot. Like <laughs> when I was talking to everyone about Elden Ring and I was really hoping you would attach to that. But, but yeah, like that, it just makes sense to me because if you're not doing perception, what do you care, right? Um, yeah. But if you are, yeah. it's just another layer that they could describe the world and, and give hints and why not include fishing with that? I'm sure you won't just be getting fish anyway. So. Uh, totally. So good question, absolutely. Colin. Appreciate it. Then the next one comes from Zergjerk, and he actually asks about something we talked about earlier with the monk. He says, do you think adding positional or reactionary layers on melee skills is a waste of time or does it add more engagement? So for like example, having a dagger with a, you know, a style like poke when used in front for normal damage, or if you evade, um, you know, you get a two second stun. If used from the side, you get a bleed. Like, so having different positional abilities, I guess, on your weapons uh, I answered the first one first. So, so Desiree, what do you think about that? 100,000%. Again, <laughs> again, I'm kind of like, mm, I'm on a ability roller coaster here and like <laughs> anything to make abilities more interesting and involved and complex, I'm pretty much here for. Um, like I, I'm totally cool with this being like a mastery upgrade or something like that, but I, I love these kind of things. It just, it makes you take one ability on your LAS and be able to do different things and you have to know what those things are to execute what you're intending and that's way more engaging yes. than hit button to stab <laughs> yeah exactly so zergerk will be happy to hear that from you i am um, i tend to agree um i think maybe this is something that could be tied in with techniques um you know uh because i don't know if you want to um you know attach it too much to a, a class ability perhaps i don't know i mean i think we have actually seen some of this with the rogue abilities um when minus showcased the rogue uh, abilities uh, last year year before whatever it was um, he did a really good job of explaining in detail how each ability worked and i think there was some of this going on with that so um it'll be interesting to see how you know how much this idea does um get fleshed out in the final game design so but it's it's a fun one for sure, and it's an interesting idea. Yeah, I, I, just to so, like add, because uh, you mentioned techniques, I, I think you're right on that. I think this makes more sense to have to do with like the weapon. But uh, I think the big takeaway for me is that a lot of these attacks, maybe you shouldn't just be prevented from doing them. Maybe you should be able to do them in the wrong way. Like if you try to backstab someone mm-hmm. up front, like 
Yeah. There's no reason you can try and waste your cooldown. Uh, <laughs> might not do much damage, yeah. but I I would prefer that than just saying, you cannot do this ability because you are not flanking the target. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is pretty much what you usually see, right? You right. just you get a red some red text telling you you're not doing it right. Yep. <laughs> so anyway. Great yeah. question. No, it's a good point. It's a good point. Yeah, great question. Thanks, Zerjerk, uh, for for asking that. So again, like I said, there's two more questions in the mailbox. We'll get to those next week. Just being mindful of the time of the show here. And uh that's it for the mailbox. Sit back and relax. It's time for the lore you know. All right, we're back to finish up the Tale of the Humans for our lore segment this week. We're going to get to know the royal lineage of Avendir a little better. So who was the first king out of the Sanctum and as he came to be known? And how has his persona inspired or fractured the humans of Terminus? So listen along as the words of J.N. Gerhardt as I read them to the conclusion of the human lore and pantheon. When the Deicide War turned in favor of the Sacred Six races, Avendir gained a broad reputation for battlefront leadership and also for his gift of stirring oration. His famed Speech of Souls is still repeated amongst the humans and elves, credited with reviving the hearts of the surviving dead, a reference to the broken-hearted victors of the war. With the bold vision of his father, the first king out of the Sanctum, inspired his people with the founding of Thronefast, a coastal seat of power that flourished into the preeminent trade and commerce hub on Terminus. At the time of Avender's death in 525 IH, the capital city had no equal in wealth or influence, no peer in beauty or acclaim, and his passing was honored across four continents. Over 450 years later, the humans are still prospering, though the heritage of sacrifice and service has been exchanged for vice amongst much of the aristocracy. Nevertheless, Amenthiel, the Lady King, a true blood heir of Avendir, has shown traits of her ancestors' character and composure. Since the horrifying catastrophe at Azerus took the life of her husband, as well as her predecessor to the throne, Amenthiel's nerve and shrewdness thwarted enemies of a suddenly weakened throne fast. In a speech shouted to peasant and well-born alike, Amenthiel set the course of the nation like a steady captain emerging from the clutches of a maelstrom. While the humans have endured yet another peril, their city glimmers like the ancient crown set upon their fair regent's dauntless brow. For now. And that is the lore you know. So I want to say thank you, everyone, for hanging around with us today. Again, I'm being mindful of time. I know that we're we're pushing the, the time <laughs> limits a little bit these days, but we certainly hope you enjoyed episode number 102. Desrin, my salty friend, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed yourself. Of course you had to say salty. It's too perfect. <laughs> I'm just trying to coax another pirate voice out of you, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, what kind uh, of <laughs> he just sort of waffles on it he's like no no it's not happening anyway yeah good stuff man all the content um we discussed in the show is linked in the video description for your show notes or for the sh- or in the show notes for you to check out uh, remember we value any feedback you care to share when you're listening to the rewind so it makes us uh make the podcast better and become the best po- pantheon podcast out there and uh with that i'll say uh you know see you next time cheers and Thanks for listening. Arr, we be coming back next week. <laughs> That's so good.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Pantheon Plus Rewind. Pantheon Plus is not affiliated with Visionary Realms. Be sure to check out our Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube channels under the name Pantheon Plus. You can follow Theric at Pantheon Theric on Twitter and Desrin at Desrin Does also on Twitter. And you can stay up to date with all things Pantheon at www.pantheon.plus. Until next time, cheers and thanks for listening.